Blog Talk Radio. cliched and overused uh, piece of music, wonderful as it is, by uh, Mr. Bach, can only mean that it's Halloween season, or Sawain, and uh, depending on who you ask, and that means it's time for our ghost stories and spooky things that go bump in the night season. Each week, we'll delve into another aspect of the ghostly side of life. My favorite time of year. We started decorating our house and porch for Halloween last month. Um, in fact, we get a head start on it. We're the creepy neighborhood people. I'm the crazy neighbor with the church in his yard. And that church, of course, is Divine Harmony Spiritual Church. And this is the Crystal Silence League brought to you by the American or the, the uh, Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, Lucky Mojo Curio Company, and of course, the LMC Radio Network going strong again as we always have we rise we never fall we sometimes wax and wane like the moon but we always shine strong in the spiritual airwaves it's not going to talk about the bell witch of tennessee here in my uh, home turf and i've actually been in adams tennessee uh, been on the site of the Bell Witch Hauntings, which continue to this day. I was part of a documentary called Haunted Tennessee, which uh, never got off the ground because of funding, but by golly, we were out there. We took footage, and we interviewed some of the uh, living relatives um, of the Bell family who still tell stories of hauntings, and we witnessed some uh, very strange activities, including what may have been the famous black dog, but we'll get into that as we explore the activities tonight. <clears throat> As you may know, uh, this is the Crystal Silence League Hour, and the Crystal Silence League was founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of distributing and projecting positive prayer and affirmation for all those in need. And we continue that tradition today, adepts of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. You can find us on Facebook and online in the cyber web and in physical presences across the country. All you have to do, go to our uh, website, uh, go to the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, and look at our uh, churches, our physical churches. We have several churches who have web pages there. Uh, my, my church does, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church, Four Altars, um, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, and... Um, uh, uh, Nikki O'Muse's church, um, uh, uh, House of Empowerment has a church also. We have sites up there now. We'll be adding other churches from uh, AIR members as uh, they join and give us information. And uh, we uh, all 
uh, following Mr. Collins' footsteps by sending uh, what we call the daily method. We send positive prayer and affirmation through crystal balls. On our website, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you are invited to post your own prayer petitions. We get a couple of hundred of those a week. And if you go to our prayer petition page, you'll see that's no exaggeration. We have hundreds of prayers there. Members and adepts and pastors of the Crystal Silence League pray daily for these folks. And if you post a prayer, I may read them aloud on the air, which I'll do here in a minute. Not all of them. I can't. I wouldn't have time. I'd be doing prayers every day, all day. But I do some, I do some of them. And um, I start with the newest ones first and go backward until I run out of time. I only do, uh, you know, a couple, a few. And um, I'll start doing that in a minute. But first we have our crystal of the week, which is magnetite. And I thought magnetite was a, uh, a good stone to use because it does help protect against evil spirits and psychic attack of any sort. Magnetite is lodestone. Did you know that? Magnetite is lodestone. And lodestone can be polished, and it looks very pretty. And um, necklaces and amulets can be made of it, or you can just carry one on you. If you do, it's sometimes good to carry it in a bag because they do uh, fragment and create dust. And you've seen magnetic dust, right, worked with lodestone, and it creates these uh, – gives it a fuzzy look, like a little porcupine. And they're used quite a bit in altar work. Lodestones are used uh, a lot in – altar work for protection work and a lot of times for love work um, stones lodestones you use for attraction work to attract things to you but they can also be used in protection work um, in any kind of attraction work you can use lodestones to attract positive things to you but they can also be used magnets also have a, a repulsive force it can be used to repulse uh, negative things away from you very strong grounding stone it will ground you to the earth and uh, Magnets can also be used to balance, and magnets are used to heal. So uh, it is a wonderful stone. Now, I'll advise you not to use it uh, if you make an elixir. Don't put it directly in the water. Iron oxidizes. And uh, use the indirect method if you make an elixir. Um, these are uh, also used a lot in healing blood-related problems. If you have uh, sluggish blood and you want to boost your energy, the magnetism is used for that. And also, just the magnetism itself is healing. So, um, to uh, remove mag to remove negative energy from your yourself, it's said to rub run the stone along your body like you do with an egg healing, and then bury it in the earth, give it to the earth, which is what you do with stones such as this when you are um, when you have completed your cleansing ritual with it. It is said with a lodestone that when you're through with it, you give it back to the earth, you bury it back in the earth. Um, these are also how you cleanse or discharge lodestones uh, after a magical ritual. You bury them in the ground for a while. Uh, magnetite is so inexpensive, you can buy a bucket of it. Uh, truly, you can buy it by the pound. Uh, I don't reuse them. When I use them in a magical ritual, they've done their work. They've, they've, they've done their work. I give them back to the earth. I put them back in the ground um, and you know where they're happy. Uh, now, they're in a, since they're, they work with attraction, they can be used to uh, help you attract spirits as well. So you tell it what spirits you want to attract. Remember, rocks and stones have memories. They follow instructions. You know, tell it, I want to attract my ancestor spirits. I want to attract positive spirits. And then remember, magnets not only attract, they repel. 
they have two poles tell it to repel evil and negative spirits, and it can help you with that. Um, so that's magnetite. That's lodestone. Um, if you make a grid to protect yourself from evil spirits, um, you can use uh, amber. You can use jet. You can use obsidian. Um, uh, make a grid of these stones. Uh, there's a type of quartz called spirit quartz that's good uh, in spirit work. And make a grid of these and uh, use them to help protect yourself from evil spirits. That's our, uh, uh, in a nutshell, how to uh, get rid of evil spirits. There are other ways to do it, uh, exorcism and things and um, and stuff. We may do an episode on that if I run out of ghost stories, but I, I'll never run out of ghost stories. Uh, if you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org and go to the prayer petition page, um, you can pray along with me if you like. And we're going to do it. I'm really glad to be back in the saddle again this week. I was very sick last week. I got this uh, respiratory infection. <clears throat> and a lot of times I just worked through that. I was working through it, but I lost my voice. My, uh, I'm still a little hoarse. And the doctor gave me a Z-Pack and prednisone. And it seems like no matter what you get, that's what they give you. I've had everything. Well, not, not everything, but a lot of things. And they say, well, here's you a Z-Pack and prednisone. And, you know, you take those in diminishing doses, right? You take six the first day and four the second and three, et cetera. I, I have trouble keeping up with it. I just do what I can. And um, But it's like it, no matter what you had, I had a, a, a sprained back. Here's a Z-Pack and prednisone. I had snake bite, Z-Pack and prednisone, bronchial infection, Z-Pack and prednisone, I had um, a headache, Z-Pack and prednisone, snake bite, Z-Pack and prednisone. Someone hurt my feelings, Doc. Well, here's a Z-Pack and prednisone. You know, somebody shook their fist and used harsh language, Z-Pack and prednisone. Hmm. Doc, I didn't like the results of the last election, Z-Pack and prednisone. You know, it's, it's a cure-all for anything. I think maybe we should use it in root work. You know, my, my husband broke up with me. Here's, well, I'll put a Z-Pack and prednisone on the altar. I think I want to start doing that. Next week, our crystal of the week, Z-Pack and Prednisone. All right, our prayers. Um, if you go over there with me, you can pray with me. Now, we use crystal ball projections in the Crystal Silence League. I've got a big crystal ball right here on my desk, among all kinds of other stuff. Uh, my broadcasting tools, which is a, a genuine broadcasting microphone with a, a spit shield. You know, it's a big uh, foam disc that my my good son, who's a, a professional um works in the professional audiovisual field. He has his own production company, got me for my birthday a couple of years ago and helped me set it up. You'll notice if you go back in the archives, my sound gradually gets more professional because I started off with a landline telephone and it had this hum in the back. It was because the landline out here is uh, from the forties, I think. And then I just went over to my cell phone and then we went to a professional broadcasting System Now, we only, we're only as good as blog talk, right? And blog talk, you play roulette. Some weeks we have a great connection, and some weeks we can't get on at all. So, you know, you, you spin uh, the wheel and you take your chances. Um, it's like going to the casino. Sometimes you get all cherries, and sometimes you get triple zeros. So, hey. Prayer ID number 76781, who asks the spirits... And he asks the highest of all spirits, the Ancient of Ages. And he says, I ask you, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll heal me and take make 100% again to do what I can to get back on my feet again. He wants to be healed of all addictions. 
May he be blessed. May he be healed. Amen. And prayer ID 76780, who says, God bless you all, and thank you for praying with me. And please continue to lift up Jay with me, that our Father will open his eyes to the truth, and that he will see through all the lies and deception that his so-called friend, another Jay, has sent against me to break us apart. Along with the false witnesses and black magic she sent against us, please pray that the Holy Spirit touches this woman and she confesses the truth to God and to Jay of the evil she has said and done. I pray also that she finds Jesus and repents, and I pray for peace for her soul. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters. Amen. And prayer ID 76779, who's praying for two long-term friends who have turned away from each other. And she prays that these friends come together once again in the spirit of camaraderie, forgiveness, and good-natured generosity. And she prays that she is included in their newly freshened wellspring of abundance. Furthermore, I pray that free-flowing exchange open between them, better even than before, and that harmonious balance be struck to the benefit of all three, for fences mended, for tributes offered and accepted, for sincerity and joy to reign over all. Amen. And prayer ID 76778 prays for protection from danger. And please, God, keep me protected and safe from, from anyone who might be ruining my job security. Amen. And prayer ID 76777. And the prayer is, I'm unemployed. The department where I worked closed two months ago, and I still can't find a job. I've been on lots of interviews, but I haven't had any job offers. I have an interview tomorrow. Please pray that I find a job. Amen. And prayer ID 76776, who says, I pray dearly for my loved one to truly mean it when he says that I have nothing to worry about. Amen. And prayer ID 76775, who invites us to pray, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish upon us the work of our hands. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. And that is from Psalm 90. A good protective psalm, by the way. Prayer ID 76774 who says, Dear St. Jude, thank you for prayers answered. I appreciate all you provide. Amen. And prayer ID 76773, who says, I declare that God and his highest angels will interfere with my life, E, that's a, a person, a man, to solve the problem and sign a lease on apartment and house that within my budget, God will also help my mother to take the steps to help her son, E, Move out of her house. Also, God will inter, interfere and allow me and E to gain. Or maybe that, that's him. Oh, her, oh, that's him. E is him. Move out of her house. Also, God will interfere and allow me, who is E, to gain friends and being hired with the blood of Jesus. Amen. And E, which is him, will sign a lease by the end of October of 2018. May this be so. Make it see. Make it seem to happen and manifest it. Amen. And prayer ID 76772, who says and prays, 
Dear God, universe, angels, guardians, and ancestors, we pray that SB gets the video job with the Mars Engagement Team at JPL. Her resume, experience, and letter are attractive to their recruiting staff. She is strongly desired. The job was manifested for S, and she will get it with ease. S will manifest her dreams and work for the Mars Engagement Team. May it be so. Amen. And prayer ID 76771. Who wants stability in our housing situation? And praise. Thank you, family, for your prayers. I ask that the Most High Creator leads us into the correct situation for our first permanent home that is spacious and energetically right for my family and myself. If it is the home that we currently live in, then I ask that a way be made, purchase it. And if it's not, then the one that is meant for us opens up to us in a smooth and timely way. And all with surety, peace of mind, and spirit. Amen. Prayer ID 76770, who's praying for hunting success this fall, who says, I'm worried about not filling my hunting tags and feeding families that count on me. I've not been able to find a big buck nor get pictures of monsters like I normally do. I'm very worried and depressed about this. Please pray for two monster bucks to be sent my way. I really do want this to happen. I'm asking that they show up at the correct time and that I'll be able to harvest them humanely. I'm also wishing to harvest a bear this year. The people who count on me need meat to feed their family. You pray to the hunting, the 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 uh, owner, the owner of the hunt, the god of the hunt, for this. Pray to your tools, to your weapons, and to the owner of the animals of the hunt. May this be so. Amen. Pray, ID seven six seven six nine. Great powers of the universe and great spirits. I ask and request help that for many, many more years to come, every chronic pain, cancer patient, health insurance will always cover and pay for the pain medication, which helps me to breathe without severe chronic pain caused by my esophageal cancer surgery that has given me more time to be with my family and help my mother for as long as my body, my soul, and God has planned in Jesus' name and love to all. Amen. And we have prayer ID 76768. Please pray for the healing of my physical body, of my reproductive organs, left knee and right foot. And let's do a couple more. 76767, who prays for the health and safety and fortune of her children, the father, ghost, and bill. It says, please keep them safe and healthy. Let their dreams come true and thanks. And here's a prayer, a worthy one, 76766, who says, I want to quit smoking cigarettes, and I need the strength and willpower to quit. It's damaging my health. Please pray for me that I never smoke cigarettes again. Get that strength and quit. Very bad for you. Very bad for you. May everybody who needs to quit, quit. Very, very bad for you. Let's have a moment of silent prayer and meditation for all those in need of strength and comfort and affirmation.
Amen. Well, our topic tonight is the Bell Witch of Tennessee, and um, I'll tell you that um, the Bell Witch is a a legend, although I'm going to tell you that we can't really call it a legend because it's one of the most um, documented cases of family hauntings in the history of parapsychological research. Um, It mostly is centered on the Bell family of what is now Adams, Tennessee. Uh, It's Robertson County, Tennessee, which is not that far away from here uh, in actuality. And um, just a few hours' drive from where I live, and I've visited that location a number of times. Uh, there's uh, anytime there's any kind of parapsychological investigation in Bellwitch, they find anybody who's involved in psychic research and want want you to volunteer your time. And I don't I don't even do that anymore. There was a time in the 80s and 90s I was very involved in psychic research and. Uh, Ghost busting and things like this. I just don't do it anymore. Once you once you just decide and you verify for yourself that psychic phenomena exists and ghosts exist, you say, okay, yeah, it does, and then you're not interested anymore. Um, it, it's like when it becomes your job. You know, you um, you know, if you're a plumber, you don't go watch other plumbers thread pipes. You know, you do something else. So. Um, I just don't find it that entertaining anymore. Uh, you know, so people say you wouldn't believe what happened to me. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I would actually, but go ahead. Well, you know, in my house, there's uh, there's stuff going on, like things fall off the shelves. Yeah, okay, and things pull the covers off me. Not okay. Yeah. So, what are you telling me that I won't believe? <laughs> you know that that's happened to my family for generations, and uh, I hear it every day. So, what are you telling? You know, tell me something I won't believe. You know, like. People are sensible and won't vote for dumb people and put them, make them president. So, you know that that I won't believe. You know, you know, tell me that. Um, you know, tell me that people act in their own best interest. That 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 I'll find incredible. So the Bell Witch haunting uh, centers on his family, the Bell family, and uh, they were a family of farmers, and uh, they lived along this Red River in Adams, Tennessee. It wasn't called Adams, Tennessee then. It was just. Uh, uh, just a farm and uh, so they were under attack for some period of time and the the bell witch manifests uh, regularly in cycles to this very day uh, it was a mostly invisible entity although it did manifest physically in many different forms we'll get to that uh, and it started out as a whistling or a whispering and eventually was able to speak and answer questions uh Describe what was going on at distant events, which after the fact occurred to be true, was clairvoyant, um, affect the physical environment. The Bell Witch, in fact, was the first spoon bender in recorded history. The Bell Witch bent spoons before Uri Geller. Uri Geller was uh, first uh, given credit as the first psychic spoon bender. I informed my dear friend, Dr. Marcello Truzzi, I said, no, Marcello. The Bell Witch in Tennessee bent spoons psychically before Erie Geller. He was astounded to hear this because nobody had ever mentioned it. I uh, I send him my copy of The Bell Witch of Tennessee by Charles Bailey Bell, who is a descendant of the Bell Witch, and clearly described there 
the Bell Witch bent spoons and labels, uh, ladles. And he said, my God, this is the first recorded uh, uh, paranormal bending of flatware. I said, yes. And it happened very close to my hometown in Tennessee. We Southerners were the first spoon benders. So there you go. So uh, so I'll, I'll tell you that um, in 1894, uh, there was a, a published account called The Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. And this is uh, usually regarded as the first full-length record of the legend and is the primary source of uh, most of what you hear about it, movies and other treatments of it. Um, so, um, of course, skeptics bust the heck out of it. They say, well, it's, it's, it's fraud, it's fiction, etc." But the problem is there are many, many, many eyewitnesses who documented this, and their uh, accounts are consistent. So uh, I believe that when you have 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people that all witness something, and then you have uh, skeptics who lived a couple of hundred years later that say it didn't happen, I'm inclined to believe the eyewitnesses. So... Um, Let's uh, let's let's get out, we'll, we'll look at the synopsis of the legend, and then we'll look at some of the uh, eyewitness testimonies of it. So, um, uh, some people will tell you that the ghosts, the witch, the poltergeist name was uh, Kate, because at some point the the poltergeist claimed to be uh, 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 Kate Bats, uh, and responded uh, positive positively to the name Kate. Now. Maybe she was or not, because sometimes the spirit was known to um, say things that wasn't true uh, mischievously. The spirit was not always friendly. Um, the daughter, Elizabeth or Betsy, once observed a girl in a green dress swinging from a limb of an oak tree. And Dean, who was uh, a resident slave of the Bell family, uh, was often followed by a large black dog. The activity eventually centered on the Bell household with uh, loud rock knockings and raps uh, along the doors and walls. These knocks would uh, run the gamut of the house. They would uh, run around, chase like something was running around the house uh, in, in circles, knocking on the walls very rapidly. Eventually, they heard uh, gnawing sounds like rats gnawing on the beds and gnawing in the walls, but you know, there were not, nothing in the walls. There were solid walls, but they could hear gnawing sounds like rats or large dogs chewing on the walls or in the bed. Now, imagine how scary this was when you live in a cabin. You know, this was like a log cabin, a large one, but a log cabin. There, there are drawings and pictures of the house, and you'd hear going around your walls. Loud, you know, boom, 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 around your walls, and then gnawing sounds like something chewing through the walls of your house and chewing on your bedpost. Imagine how scary that would be. So they'd hear these gnawing sounds. They'd hear invisible dogs fighting in the middle of their house, in the middle of their room. Uh, they'd hear chains. Sounds like chains being dragged along the floor. So then John Bell, who apparently was a very temperamental man, uh, was struck dumb. He couldn't talk. Uh, he described his mouth being paralyzed. He couldn't move it. So... Sheets began being pulled off the beds while the children were asleep. Now, see, a lot of these uh, phenomena were prototypical, right? You see this in haunted movies now, the knocking, 
the sheets being pulled off the bed, uh, the entity would pull hair and scratch the children. She, uh, Betsy especially would be slapped. She'd be pinched. She'd be stuck with pins and bleed. Um, you'll see a lot of the uh, prototypical haunting and poltergeist phenomena described in this book that you'll find to this very day in movies devoted to poltergeist activity, knocking on the wall, sheets being pulled off the bed, uh, children being slapped and pinched in their sleep, and some other stuff that you'll see here in a minute. So there's along comes uh, Mr. James Johnson, who is a, uh, 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 a Bible scholar and a uh, preacher, uh, and he, he comes in, so he decides to spend the night at the Bell home, and uh, he was rudely awakened the night by the same phenomena, uh, pounding on the walls, being pinched, uh, poked, prodded, and uh, smacked around in his sleep, his hair pulled. And uh, so that morning, he tells John Bell that it was a spirit, just like in the Bible. Well, okay, tell us something we don't know there, John. Uh, so eventually, word begins to spread, and uh, many people traveled at great distances to see this witch, the Bell witch. So now, at this point, that apparition is not quite as shy. It begins to, there's a whistling a whistling sound, like um, someone gasping for air, and then whispering, and it begins to ask out loud. And uh, people begin to uh, figure out, so they ask it, who are you and what do you want? And the voice answers in a very feeble whisper, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but I've been disturbed. And over time, and with much quest questioning, uh, many explanations. The spirit offered a lot of different explanations why it had appeared, and it determined the spirit determined its origin to the disturbance of a nearby Native American burial mound that is located on the farm, um, and said so it had been disturbed. Again, we see a prototypical uh, one of the first descriptions that if you disturb uh, a Native American burial mound, you're going to get the spirits mad. And they're going to come around and mess with you. Uh, you know, the basis of the movie Poltergeist, right? And others. So uh, eventually with, this, uh, with these uh, full conversations, the spirit uh, began to demonstrate some very amazing things. It repeated word for word the uh, context of two sermons that were in churches that were, uh, I believe, uh, 13 or 15 miles apart at the same time. And uh, the entity was well acquainted with the Bible and uh, liked to argue, liked to have religious debates with various people. And uh, the the spirit would uh, translocate. It would go to different houses and spy on people and come back and tell on them. It would gossip about the neighbors. And uh, sometimes people would ask them about what was going on in other people's homes, and the spirit would disappear and come back and say, oh, they're doing this, and it would turn out it would be right. These things were investigated and verified. So uh, James had a son named John who um, wanted to test the spirit. So he asked the spirit or the witch, now the bell is known as the bell witch now, something that nobody except he would know or people in his immediate family. He said, uh, what would my step my step-grandmother in North Carolina would say if she wanted to scold a slave? And his step-grandmother was Dutch who didn't speak very much English, and he thought, well, the witch won't have any idea what this is. So um, 
so what she do if, uh, if a slave did something wrong and she would scold the slave? And the witch replied with a perfect imitation of his grandmother's accent, Hut, hut, what has happened now? Which astounded uh, Mr. Uh, John Johnson and James Johnson apparently too. So uh, an, another account, uh, this um, fellow from England um, who was a professional skeptic of his time, you know, like uh, James Randi or something, uh, offered to investigate. And he said, I'll get to the bottom of this. It's a hoax. And uh, uh, he uh, talking to the witch, and he remarked, he mentioned he had a family overseas. So the witch disappeared for a moment and then came back and began to mimic perfectly this chap's English parents. And it startled the guy. And uh, and then early in the morning, the witch woke him up uh, to voices as though they were transmitted, you know, like someone to talk to you on the telephone, of his parents worried because they had heard their son's voice and thought that something had happened. So the Englishman quickly left that morning, and later on he had wrote to the Bell family that the entity had visited his family in England. And he apologized profusely for his skepticism. So sometimes the spirit wasn't always uh, mean and crotchety. Uh, there was some, sometimes uh, the spirit was almost tender toward uh, Lucy, John Bell's wife, which led to speculation that the spirit... Uh, was an ancestress of uh, Lucy, and uh, the spirit would uh, say that uh, Lucy was the most perfect woman to walk the earth, and she'd uh, bring gifts like flowers and fruit to Lucy and sing hymns to her, and uh, showed her son, John Bell Jr., a measure of respect, but had no use at all for John Bell Sr. Uh, she'd uh, call John Bell Sr. old Jack and threaten to kill him on numerous occasions, she made him sick. She tried to poison him once um, and uh, threw things at him. And uh, uh, she uh, uh, eventually succeeded in poisoning him. Um, and uh, so during uh, his funeral uh, or his wake, everybody was mourning uh, old Jack. And the bell witch started singing uh, uh, Baldy songs so uh, it said that uh, Betsy Bell was engaged to a chap named uh, Joshua Gardner and the witch begged her not to marry him um, and she did you know Betsy Bell called off her engagement to uh, Mr. Gardner so the entity told the family it was going to leave said my time here is done my work's here done I want to return in seven years, which would be 1828, and the witch returned on time and uh, uh, to um, uh, to uh, resume her activities with uh, Lucy Bell and her sons Richard and Joel with similar activities. Uh, but this time, they didn't encourage it. They didn't um, talk to her, and they didn't show her much attention, and the witch left again. So um, uh, it was said that Andrew Jackson was uh, intrigued with the story, and uh, his men were frightened after they investigated, but he wasn't. Um, and the, the reason for that, Andrew Jackson was uh, fascinated with the occult, and uh, I believe there were good reasons for that, which we won't go into here. But um, if, if you if you heard me talk about this, you know why I think he was interested in demons and devils. Uh, 
so uh, there there are uh, speculations um, that the witch could have been the ghost of an unpleasant um, overseer uh, that whom John Bell murdered in North Carolina. Um, so um, uh, no uh, no proof of that, but there was speculation. And that's why she hated him and eventually killed him. Um, so um, uh, Richard William Bell, who wrote um, one, there's accounts by different family members, and Richard William Bell, uh, he concluded by saying the spirit was a mystery. He said whether it was witchery uh, or whether some gifted fiend of hellish nature practicing sorcery for selfish enjoyment or some more modern science akin to that of mesmerism, which was a popular explanation. Uh, William McKay wrote a book called uh, uh, Madness of Crowds that talks about mass mesmerism, or some hobgoblin native to the wilds of the country, or a disembodied soul shut out from heaven, or an evil spirit like those Paul drove out of the man into the swine, setting the mad, or a demon let loose from hell, I'm unable to decide nor has anyone yet divined its nature or cause for appearing, and I trust this description of the monster in all forms and shapes and of many tongues will lead experts who may come with a wiser generation to a correct conclusion and a satisfactory explanation. So, um, the uh, written sources of the Bell Witch captured popular imagination for decades. Uh, she appeared... Uh, in the Saturday Evening Post, which uh, um, um, and um, so um, the um, um, I will tell you that um, the um, uh, several books have been written about her. I will tell you that um, the. Um, uh, several pages are written in the National Centennial Exposition uh, in Histories of Tennessee's uh, appears in newspapers quite a bit um, and um, many biographies several movies have been made about um, the Bell Witch and appears quite often in many many docu documentaries um, um, I'll tell you that um, um, the uh, visit of Andrew Jackson is quite interesting. Um, uh, the Bell household, um, I'll, I'll read you from this account. It said, the Bell household was strained of resources from visitors, and Jackson brought a wagon load of supplies with his men. Nearing the Bell homestead, the wagon stopped and appeared fastened to its position despite considerable effort by Jackson's men to free it. Jackson exclaimed, by the eternal boys, it is the witch. A metallic voice was heard in the vegetation. All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. The horses began moving again. Instead of camping out, the party stayed at the Bell home that evening. Among the Jackson party was a witch layer who boasted of his supernatural exploits. Tiring of the bravado, Jackson whispered, By the Eternals, I do wish the thing would come. I want to see him run. <laughs> the entity arrived and taunted the witch layer to shoot her. The man's gun would not fire. The witch countered, I'll teach you a lesson, and appeared to beat the man and led him out of the door by his nose. Jackson ex 
exclaimed, by the eternal boys, I never saw so much fun in all my life. This beats fighting the British. The witch told Jackson she would uncover another rascal the next night. That morning, Jackson's men chose to leave for home as they were apprehensive as to who was next. You see, Jackson was quite familiar with evil spirits. Paranormal investigator Benjamin Radford, as well as Brian Dunning, conclude that there is no evidence that Jack, Andrew Jackson visited the Bell family home, in spite of eyewitness accounts that he did. Uh, and during the years in question, Jackson's movements were well documented. Nowhere in history or his writings is there evidence of his knowledge of the Bell family, in spite of eyewitnesses that he was. According to Dunning... The 1824 presidential election was notoriously malicious, and it seems hard to believe that his opponent would have overlooked the opportunity to drag him through the mud for having lost a fight to a witch. He didn't fight the witch. He was on her side. Um, but anyway, uh, it's just interesting to see how different people see different stories um, the way they want to. Um, so, you know, there you go. That's just interesting, that the Andrew Jackson account. Andrew Jackson and several of his men say, I was there. Skeptics who lived after the fact say, well, there's no evidence that he was, in spite of eyewitness accounts, including Jackson, that he was. So it's the Bell Witch remains very controversial. Um, and if you go along the ten, Tennessee Historical uh, Highway Route 41, and you'll see markers um, in Adams, Tennessee. Um, this is the Bell Witch. Um, to the north was the farm of John Bell, an early prominent settler from North Carolina. According to legend, his family was harried during the early 19th century by the famous Bell Witch. She kept the household in turmoil, assaulted Bell, and drove off Betsy Bell's suitor. Even Andrew Jackson, who came to investigate, retreated to Nashville after his coach wheel stopped mysteriously. It's considered by the Tennessee Historical Society to be a fact. Many visitors to the house saw the furniture crash about them and heard her shriek, sing, and curse. So the Bell Witch is considered history by um, the Tennessee Historical Foundation. So, you know, there you go. Um, we'll be back after station identification and more about the Bell Witch. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Now, I'll tell you that if you try to read up on the Bell Witch on Wikipedia, Wikipedia is mostly written by skeptics and disbelievers, and uh, it's... Um, um, I believe it's mostly written, all the paranormal stuff's written by a guy named Joe Nickel, who wouldn't believe in ghosts if one bit him on the nose. And uh, uh, they say the most ridiculous things. And uh, so uh, try to get your sources from unbiased. Um, Wikipedia is just a, a swamp. And I, I was reading some of the Bell Witch stuff on uh, Wikipedia and uh, – uh, 
Joe Nickel says, uh, this is what happens when you mix legend with unsubstantiated reports. And what do you mean unsubstantiated? They're like 50 eyewitnesses uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and everything. But uh, I, I don't I, I get frustrated with Wikipedia. I don't think anybody even uh, uses Wikipedia as a source anymore because of stuff like this. Uh, but what I'd like to do is read to you um, some of the recollections of, uh, for instance, uh, Richard Williams Bell, who was uh, who was there, and uh, and let's see what he says. Uh, these are from the recollections of Richard Williams Bell, who kept a journal, and he said um, he says after settling on Red River in Robertson County, Tennessee, my father prospered beyond his expectations. He was a good manager and hard worker himself, making a regular hand on the farm. He indulged no idleness around him and brought up his children to work, endeavoring to make their employment pleasurable. Mother was, in other words, he was a hard ass. <laughs> right? Mother was equally frugal and careful in her domestic affairs and was greatly devoted to the proper moral training of her children, keeping a restless watch over everyone, making sacrifices for their pleasure and well-being, and both were steadfast in their religious faith being members of the Baptist church and set Christian examples before their children. Probably the kids were beaten regularly. I'm, I'm sorry. I interject my comments here. Father was always forehanded, paid as he went, was never in his life served with a warrant or any legal process and never had occasion to fear the sheriff or any officer of the law and was equally faithful in bearing his share of whatever burden was necessary to advance morality and good society. In the meanwhile, he gave all of his children the best education the schools of the country could afford, Zadok being equally educated for a lawyer, while the other boys chose to follow agriculture. Jesse and Esther had both married, settled, and everything seemed to be going smoothly when our trouble commenced. I was a boy when the incidences, which I am about to record, known as the Bell Witch, took place. In fact, strange appearances and uncommon sounds had been seen and heard by different members of the family at times, some year or two before I knew anything about it, because they indicated nothing of a serious character, gave no one any concern, and would have passed unnoticed but for after developments. Even the knocking on the door and the outer walls of the house had been going on for some time before I knew of it, generally being asleep, and father believing that it was some mischievous person trying to frighten the family. Then after the demonstrations became known to us all, Father enjoined secrecy upon every member of the family, and it was kept a profound secret until it became intolerable. Therefore, I write from memory of such things as came under my observation, impressing my mind in incidents known by other members of the family and near neighbors to have taken place and are absolutely true. As before stated, the knocking at the door and scratching noise on the outer wall which continued so long never disturbed me, nor was I frightened until the demonstrations within became unendurable. This, I think, was in May 1818. Father and mother occupied a room on the first floor. Elizabeth had the room above, and the boys occupied another room on the second floor. John and Drury had a bed together, and Joel and myself slept in another bed. As I remember, it was on a Saturday night, just after the family had retired. A noise commenced in our room like a rat gnawing vigorously on the bedpost. John and Drury got up to kill the rat, but the moment they were out of bed, the noise ceased. They examined the bed, but discovered no marks made by a rat. So soon as they returned to bed, the noise commenced again, and thus it continued until a late hour, or sometime after midnight, 
and we were up all a half dozen times or more searching the room all over, every nook and corner for the rat, and could find nothing, not even a crevice by which a rat could enter. This kind of noise continued from night to night and week after week, and from all our investigations were in vain. The room was overhauled several times, everything moved and carefully examined with the same result. Finally, when we would search for the rat in our room, the same noise would appear in Sister Elizabeth's chamber, disturbing her and arousing the family, and so it continued. From room to room, stopping when we were up, commencing again as soon as we returned to bed, and was so annoying that no one could sleep. The noise was, after a while, accompanied by a scratching sound like a dog clawing on the floor, and increased in force until it became evidently too strong for a rat. Then every room in the house was torn up, the furniture, beds, and clothing carefully examined, and still nothing irregular could be found, nor was there a hole or crevice by which a rat could enter, and nothing was accomplished beyond the increase of our confusion and evil forebodings. The demonstrations continued to increase, and finally the bed coverings commenced slipping off at the foot of the beds, as if gradually drawn by someone, and occasionally a noise like the smacking of lips, then a gulping sound, like someone choking or strangling, while the vicious gnawing at the bedpost continued, and there was no such thing as sleep to be thought of until the noise ceased, which was generally between 1 and 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning. Some new performance was added nearly every night, and it troubled Elizabeth more than anyone else. Occasionally, the sound was like heavy stones falling on the floor, <clears throat> then like trace chains dragging and chairs falling over. <clears throat> I call to mind my first lively experience, something a boy is not likely ever to forget. We'd become somewhat used to the mysterious noise and tried to dismiss it from mind, taking every opportunity for a nap. The family had all retired early, and I'd just fallen into a sweet doze when I felt my hair beginning to twist, and then a sudden jerk which raised me. It felt like the top of my head had been taken off. Immediately, Joel yelled out in great fright, and next Elizabeth was screaming in her room. And ever after that, something was continually pulling at her hair after she had retired to bed. This transaction frightened us so badly that father and mother remained up nearly all night. After this, the main feature in the phenomena was that of pulling the cover off the bed as fast as we could replace it, also continuing other demonstrations. Failing in all efforts to discover the source of the annoyance and becoming convinced that it was something out of the natural course of events, well, yes, <laughs> continually on the increase in force, Father finally determined to solicit the cooperation of Mr. James Johnston, who was his nearest neighbor and most intimate friend, in trying to detect the mystery. So Mr. Johnston and wife, at Father's request, came over to spend a night in the investigation. At the usual hour for retiring, Mr. Johnson, who was a very devout Christian, led in family worship, as was his custom, reading a chapter in the Bible, singing and praying. He prayed fervently and very earnestly for our deliverance from the frightful disturbance, and that its origin, cause, and purpose might be revealed. Soon after we had all retired, the disturbance continued, as usual, gnawing, scratching, knocking on the wall, overturning chairs, pulling the cover off of beds, etc., every act being exhibited as if on purpose to show Mr. Johnson what could be done, appearing in his room, as in other rooms, and so soon as a light would appear, the noise would cease and the trouble begin in another room. Mr. Johnson listened attentively to all the sounds and capers, and that which appeared like someone sucking air through the teeth and smacking of lips indicated to him 
that some intelligent agency gave force to the movements, and he determined to try speaking to it, inquiring, In the name of the Lord, what or who are you? What do you want, and why are you here? And this appeared to silence the noise for a considerable time, but it finally commenced again with increased vigor, pulling the covers from the beds in spite of all resistance, repeating other demonstrations, going from one room to the other, becoming fearful. The persecutions of Elizabeth were increased to the extent that excited serious apprehensions. Her cheeks were frequently crimsoned as by a hard blow from an open hand, and her hair pulled until she would scream with pain. Mr. Johnson said the phenomena was beyond his comprehension. It was evidently preternatural or supernatural of an intelligent character. He arrived at this conclusion from the fact that it ceased action when spoken to and certainly understood language. He advised Father to invite other friends into the investigation and try all means for detecting the mystery to which he consented, and from this time it became public. All our neighbors were invited and committees formed, experiments tried, and a close watch kept in and out every night. But all of their wits were stifled, the demonstrations all the while increasing in force, and sister was so severely punished that father and mother became alarmed for her safety when alone, and the neighboring girls came almost every night to keep her company. Especially were Thinny Thorne and Rebecca Porter very courageous and kind to her in this trying ordeal, and it was suggested that sister should spend the nights with some of the neighbors to get rid of the trouble, and all were very kind to invite her. In fact, our neighbors were all touched with generous sympathy and were unremitting in their efforts to alleviate our distress, for it had become by now a calamity, and they came every night to sit and watch with us. The suggestion of sending Elizabeth from home was acted upon. She went to different places, James Johnson's, John Johnson's, Jesse Bell's, and Bennett Porter's, but it made no difference, the trouble following her wherever she went with the same severity, disturbing the family where she went as it did at home, nor were we in any way relieved, and this gave rise to a suspicion in the minds of some persons that the mystery was of some device or stratagem originated by my sister, from the fact that it appeared wherever she went, and this clue was followed by a lot followed to a logical demonstration of the mistake, satisfying all who entered into the investigation. You see, even then, the uh, what I call the Joe Nickel assumption that poltergeist activity is um, basically uh, teenage girls seeking attention. They, even back then, they were dumb people. After Mr. James Johnson expressed his opinion that there was an intelligent cause behind the manifestation, other persons commenced speaking to the witch, as it was then called, importuning it to talk and tell what, what happened. But see, as you can see, that suggestion was brought up and then dismissed because all these people were watching everyone and saying, well, no, she's not doing that because it's happening when we're watching so after Mr. James Johnson expressed his opinion that there was an intelligent cause behind the manifestations, other persons commenced speaking to the witch, as it was then called, importuning it to talk and tell it what it wanted. When spoken to, it was observed that the noise would cease for a time and then appear still more de demonstrative. This conduct went to confirm Mr. Johnson's opinion, and investigators persisted with interrogations. By this time, the mystery had gained wide notoriety, and people came from every direction, the house being crowded every night with visitors who came to witness the demonstrations, and neighbors persevered in their efforts to induce the witch to talk, calling on it to rap on the wall, smack its mouth, etc., 
and in this way the phenomenon was gradually developed, proving to be an intelligent character. When asked a question in a way that it could be answered by numbers, for instance, how many persons are present, how many horses in the barn, or how many miles to a certain place, the answers would come in raps, like a man knocking on the wall, the bureau, or the bedpost with his fist, or by so many scratches on the wall, like the noise of a nail or claws, and the answers were invariably correct. During this time, it was not uncommon to see lights like a candle or a lamp flitting across the yard and through the field, and frequently when father, the boys, and hands were coming in late from work, chunks of wood and stones would fall along the way as if tossed by someone, but we could never discover from whence or what direction they came. And in additions to the demonstrations already described, it took to slapping people on the face, especially those who resisted the actions of pulling the cover from the bed and those who came as detectives to expose the trick. The blows were heard distinctly like the open palm of a heavy hand while the sting was keenly felt, and it did not neglect to pull my hair and make Joel squall as often. And the phenomenon continued to develop force, and visitors persisted in urging the witch to talk and tell what was wanted, and finally it commenced whistling when spoken to in a low, broken sound as they're trying to speak in a whistling voice. And in this way, it progressed, developing until the whistling sound was changed to a weak, faltering whisper, uttering indistinct words. And the voice, however, gradually gained strength in articulating, and soon the utterances became distinct in a low whisper, so as to be understood in the absence of any other noises. I don't remember the first intelligent utterance, which, however, was of no significance, but the voice soon developed sufficient strength to be distinctly heard by everyone in the room. Who are you and what do you want? The reply came, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. And this was uttered in a very feeble voice, but sufficiently distinct to be understood by all present. And this was all the information that we elicited for that time. We'll come back next week. The further adventures of the Bell Witch and the upshot thereof. See you then. Happy Halloween and happy Sawwain.